0: Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Magic Story podcast, where we go behind the scenes with the people who create the worlds and characters of Magic the Gathering. I'm Blake Rasmussen, and I'll be your host. Today, we're here with designer Ari Levich, the creative lead for Ether Revolt, and also one of the members of the Kaladesh world-building team. He's here to talk about building Kaladesh and then shaking things up for Ether Revolt. Welcome, Ari. Thank you very much. Um, let's start. I, I just rattled off all your titles and, and all the things you do. Why don't Why don't you tell us what it means to be a creative lead for a set and to
1: be on the world building team? So it's probably easier to start with uh, world building and then kind of ramp up into the creative lead elements. Um, to build a world is, uh, from our perspective, is to essentially figure out kind of how or what populates this world on you know, kind of in a more simplistic way. But really, how does the essential elements of what makes a magic setting. How does that make its way into this world? For example, we know that one of the essential elements of, of magic is the four or the five colors, mm-hmm. and so we have to account for these things when we're building a world. And um, we know there's going to be a variety of creature sizes because this game is about you know tapping creatures and fighting. And so we have to figure out just kind of how do we make this feel like a magic setting, but also how does it feel like a rich lived-in place. Mm-hmm. And so one of my jobs as a world builder is, is to do essentially that. And on Kaladesh, um, this was the first world that I was a part of from start to finish. Uh, when I got to Wizards, they were part way through the world building for Tarkir, so I got kind of got my uh, cut my teeth on Tarkir, mm-hmm. and then you know then we went to uh, went to ret- Return 2's, We were on Zendikar, we were on Innistrad. And this is really the first time that I was able to be part of the process from start to finish. So it has a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being able to be the creative lead basically means take the creative vision, what we see about, you know, the world of Kaladesh, particularly in this in this case, Ether Revolt, where you have renegades who are still, you know, they take the creative spirit of Kaladesh and they're pulling that forward toward revolution, taking the creative vision of that and ushering it through the design process, um, the development process, and then Ultimately, I'm responsible for writing all the art descriptions on each of the cards.
0: Okay. Uh, now, y- you mentioned uh, building this world. Do you, do you start with a blank canvas? Do you start with a, a line that says, we're going to Chandra's homeworld, and story, figure it out from there? What, what do you start with when you start building a world?
1: Uh, it really depends. Uh, sometimes uh, it is it is a top-down world. Like We want to do the magic version of Greek mythology, which is how we got to Theros. Other times it's more mechanical of just we want to do, we want to do an artifact uh, block, and so Kaladesh was or is an artifact block, and we have to figure out how do we how do we interpret that. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaladesh is also uh, you know it was situated after we uh, were on Innistrad, so it was very kind of there was a gloomy kind of darker tone, and we knew that we wanted to kind of refresh. Sure. And how do we do an artifact set? And also the last time we saw an artifact set was. Uh, was New Phyrexia, mm-hmm. and so we wanted to really kind of delineate that and find something, find a uh, find new space for what artifacts could mean. And we really we quickly arrived at what does an optimistic world look like? Yeah, uh, even though this is a you know game about fighting, how can we still bring in this you know creative elements? Artifacts are about creation, and really kind of doubling down on that on that part of it.
0: Sure. So. Um, Kalanish though was a little bit interesting because it, the world kind of had to be built for Magic Origins before it got its own set. So what what kind of
1: unique challenges did that present? So it's interesting because I was also the creative lead for Origins, and uh, I was given the lead on that when back when it was a core set because mm-hmm. I was I was new at the time, and so they're like, "Oh, it's fine. You'll just be able to do or you'll do." you know, the corset and you'll figure out what it means to be a lead. And part way through, they're like, this is not a core set really anymore. Now you're doing Magic Origins and trying to carve out what that means. But particularly, you know, to Cal- the, the story of Kaladesh, of how we, we knew we were going to be going to Kaladesh. Like, that's it was it was on the docket. We knew this is Chandra's homeworld. So there, there were pretty high stakes to showing it for the first time, debuting it in Origins. And we had to do a lot of work ahead of time much farther ahead of when we, we were doing normal worlds, mm-hmm. and essentially we had to figure out a way to not contradict work we haven't done yet, right? And still, you know, make it feel like it, it is a real place. And I think we got to a really good place. Um, it really came down to uh, wh- when it came, became real for me is when Cynthia created the most Cynthia Shepard, who's now an art director for us, but at the time she was uh, doing she was doing contract work, doing concept work for Origins, and she was pulled off of origins to work on stuff or she pulled off of Innistrad to work on stuff for origins, particularly for Kaladesh. And she created the first Kaladesh gear. Mm. And when I saw that, it started to kind of unfold this whole world of, of intricacy and, you know, the attention to detail and artistic expression and kind of the world blossomed uh, for me uh, out, out of that.
0: Okay. Uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit. So how, how much does the art that's created uh in in that development process influence your vision of the world and how much does your vision of the world influence the art
1: it's a back and forth um there are usually you know there's there are certain ideas about a world that we have um that are either affirmed or redirected when mm-hmm. we start seeing art come out um and that take you know what one thing you could do is resist what comes out of the art and be like that's not exactly what i had in mind or you could for for me, you know, I had a background where, uh, where I started doing comics, and I, I I'm not an artist. And one of the things that I loved about the collaborative process of working on comics is seeing an artist interpretation of ideas that I had. And that obviously, I mean, that that's there's feedback there where where I would then take some of those ideas and turn that into part of the narrative or into the world building because mm-hmm. it's you know you want you want good ideas to to see the light of day.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of good ideas. Um Kaladesh had some some unique races in it, and, and and very unique for Magic. Let's let's start with the Etherborn. Um,
1: where did the inspiration for the Aetherborn come from? So the, the Aetherborn are an example of how we always have to keep it keep the game in mind when we're creating worlds. Uh, we knew that like as optimistic a place as this is, the color black has to exist. You know, in this world, we can't. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do a world without black. And so we had to figure out what what is the Kaladesh kind of optimistic interpretation of black? And, you know, we started thinking about, uh, before we even arrived at Etherborn, like what is, what is the, the black philosophy here? And this idea of self-indulgence, the idea of self-gratification being kind of the black, what black means here. And we also knew when we were doing uh, kind of a steampunk inspired plane that, you know, developed into our, our, our concept of etherpunk, we knew that we didn't want to see kind of the dreary, uh, kind of gray skies over London vibe that we get with a lot of steampunk, and so we had to figure out. Okay, there's not pollution here. This is the the source of tension in in this block is not going to be about you know our machines, the source of you know of ills of society or anything like that. It wasn't that kind of conflict, and so we knew that we didn't want pollution to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so we we realized that. We have an opportunity here to take the byproduct of of the ether refining process, uh, and create life out of that. And that's the most optimistic thing you could do, or at least the way we arrived at was even you know e- even black here is creative that
0: way. Sure. Um, did the etherborn go through any iterations? Did they kind of come out fully formed?
1: Uh, no, we didn't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. Ether, I mean, there was nothing really to go on other than this is a race of ether. Um, this is a race of, you know, of Kaladesh and like w- trying to figure out what that meant. And they went through iterations. We were, we were, you know, wondering our e- creature type conversation that we had over Etherborn uh, really demonstrated how much uh, iteration they went through. You know, are they supposed to be elementals? Because what is ether? And we're really getting into kind of metaphysics here. We ultimately realized that they are their own thing; that they are something uniquely uh, made of ether, and you know, having the creature type etherborn just really kind of gave them their own identity. Sure. Um, what about gremlins? So gremlins, uh, gremlins. So we're, we're choosing our red-aligned race, and uh, we kind of had a sense that humans here not are you know they exist in all colors, but they. They, uh, they leaned red heavily, and mm-hmm. so we're like, okay, we want to think of the, our, our red-aligned race. We could, you know, do we do goblins here? Goblins have, you know, trope space of being tinkery here, but we also had dwarves in the kind of builder space, and we had an opportunity to build the mischief race here, being mm-hmm. gremlins that are kind of at odds with the creation aspects here uh, on Kaladesh, but they are kind of playfully destructive, and they were a great outlet for. You know, f- for a little bit of humor here, but also feeling like just part of the world that yeah you create. But there's 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 always something that can threaten your creations in a way that is not necessarily nefarious, but is more you know more fun. that This is a a part of part of living on Kaladesh. Okay. Do you have a
0: favorite gremlin art or a favorite gremlin card?
1: Oh boy, the the grubs are adorable. Um Trying to think of the other one. Uh, there, got the name of it now. Um, the one that is threatening the Solar Ring.
0: Oh, uh, the intruder. Yeah. The intruder. is... The ravenous yeah, intruder. The
1: ravenous intruder is uh, is just fantastic. You know, it, to me, it creates the, the exact right amount of tension. Uh, I love Sol Ring. I mean, anybody, <laughs> I mean, that's just. I mean, who doesn't? And just seeing, especially the masterpiece version of that being threatened in art is kind of kind of hits me in the gut. Great.
0: Um, now you've touched on this a little bit, um, actually quite a bit, uh, about Kaladesh being a happier, brighter world than, than we're used to. And it, it sounds like that was a conscious decision. Can you talk a little bit about why we decided to make a, a brighter
1: world and how you guys went about making that happen? Yeah, so I mean, the, the idea comes down to uh, you know, a big part of, 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 of our game about the idea of releasing multiple worlds and multiple sets in, you know, in succession is the idea of novelty and sometimes that comes in the sense of this is a brand new world which Kaladesh is but it's also sometimes it's just what is new right now like what is the breath of fresh air that we want and again coming off of coming off of uh, Innistrad or even even the kind of the, the cosmic horror or the the monsters uh, that were uh, the Eldrazi on Zendikar this felt like the right place to do this and uh, yeah, I mean, we knew, again, setting out to also create create that artifact set that is not New Phyrexia. And so, like, all of these things converge to this is the right place to deploy, this more optimistic place.
0: Okay, so how um, how through the art and, and the cards and, and the creative process were you able to show that optimism? What, what
1: did you do different from other sets? Um, a, a lot of it, I mean, it, it's a very colorful place, you know, pulling a lot of inspiration uh, fr- from... Uh, from India, there's a lot of bright colors there, and uh, the idea of the entire city looks like it's a singular, uh, singular device that everything is kind of modular and moving. There's a sense of motion there, um, and you know a lot of the the spells that would normally do damage. It's rather than showing the victim of that damage, which we typically show. Uh, we we show people with tools, and that these tools, yeah, they could be used to cause harm. But ultimately, they're you know creative and function. Um, and even like having airships, there's this sense of like adventure here, and just the yeah, just when you when you look at these cards, there's bright blue skies, oftentimes, and swirling ether, and it is a place uh, of all the planes in the multiverse. I, I actually think I would want to live here. Okay okay so one of the when you were
0: talking th- about that the, one of the examples that came to mind was unlicensed disintegration so when we print terminate we normally show the creature getting killed but in unlicensed disintegration it's, right. a, it's a guy with a thing that's going to blow up going to cause a lot of pain but hasn't yet
1: right it's the uh, same same uh, in ether revolt there's shock mm-hmm. you know the person is not being shocked but there's a person you know holding an implement you know with a you know uh, uh an arc going between two bits of metal on this gauntlet they're carrying and yeah i mean we know what that can do but we Mm -hmm. know that oh wow that's that's an amazing tool that this person created okay
0: um so again that gets back to the the back and forth between you and art
1: and how how collaborative is the world building process um it's becoming increasingly so uh you know our game is is very visual and, you know, it could easily be a situation where the, the people crafting the words of the world building are doing their thing. And then we have a concept push. And then, you know, the art director has their idea of what this world is. And you could easily get to a world where they're just divergent. Um, and, you know, our creative team has grown over the years, but we're getting uh, we're still really close. And the idea of having communication and particularly between a creative lead and, uh and the, the the art director is, is crucial, mm-hmm. and so just kind of creating a, a unified vision is is really important. Okay. Um, so when you're when you're doing world
0: creation, how how do you divide up like who's doing what? Is everybody in a big room talking about everything, or do they say, "Are you responsible for the red race? Go figure
1: that out." It's it's a mix of the two. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of homework where yeah, you know, you're given you're given the way, the a particular race. I was given uh, I was. I wasn't given. I claimed dwarves, mm-hmm. uh, so I could do the writing on them. Um, and you know, each person is given their responsibilities, whether it's races or it's parts of parts of the world. One of the things that we did this time around is knowing that uh, we're going to need to show a variety of places, and that we wanted this cosmopolitan aspect of the main city, Gharapur. We decided to create these neighborhoods um, that were each kind of associated with two different colors. And just to kind of make sure that we're kind of that we're going through the list of places that we're going to see on cards, do we have options for all of these things? And so yeah, there's a lot of homework, and then it's a lot of taking that homework and bringing it to uh, to our meetings and kind of go going over it, making sure we're not you know we're not uh, stepping on each other's toes, or that it's you know we're trying to also fill gaps. Like, does this whole place feel consistent when it's all together? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Doug was the the creative lead on the world building for Kaladesh, and it kind of felt to him to to really tie it together Okay, so you said you were
0: particularly responsible for the dwarves um, Were there any other areas that you were particularly assigned or,
1: or claimed? Um, it, it Mostly it was the dwarves and uh, Things associated with dwarves like they're the build aspect. Uh, I mean, there's a whole ether cycle that that uh, Doug explored and one of the steps in the ether cycle is the is the build aspect, and the dwarves really embody that. So I kind of did a lot of explorations on what the, what that means and what they excel at. Um, and then when we carved up the the parts of the city, we uh, uh, I don't remember which ones I did now. Um, <laughs> I think one in particular that I that I that I did that I really liked was the the writing on Aradara Station, which is the the major kind of train station on Gheirapur, and you know it has this. The, the, it's almost it's a combination of like a big uh, arboretum and a train station. So there's this huge statuary garden uh, with, uh, in the train station, and statuary has all basically statues of celebrity inventors. We loved this idea that the people that are kind of idolized here are other inventors. So having this place, almost like this hall of fame of inventors, was something that kind of inspired me, and kind of just seeing how the we. All the different writers got to kind of fill out what the city is here mm-hmm. and so that was a lot of fun um and then also kind of working on you know somebody would get like you're working on blue creatures what what kind of non-humanoid blue creatures are here or whatever and so we kind of you have to kind of look at what goes into a magic set and then making sure that the world building make sure that the world building covers all of that sure so what uh, for for the dwarves uh, how happy were you were you with how they turned out uh, really happy. Uh, I actually just played a commander game last week where I was playing a Depala commander deck mm-hmm. and uh, this isn't necessarily a happy tale but <laughs> it was an interesting thing where I was looking at, somebody just did a board wipe and I was looking at my graveyard I'm like, these are all dwarves in here. And I said this kind of moment of personal triumph that you know dwarves are are back in magic and that, yeah, I, I, I love how they turned out uh, and I hope we see them again because yeah. yeah, they're they're my favorite. When I played D and D growing up, I was I was always a dwarf. Okay. Um, so let's let's pivot a little
0: bit. We've we talked a lot about the, the Kaladish world building, and let's talk about uh, your creative lead for for Ether Revolt. Um, obviously, you had to take this bright, shiny world, and you had to instill this sense of revolt. How did you go about doing that?
1: So it was it was interesting. Like one of the big things that I wanted to emphasize. Uh, throughout the process was the idea that even though there's this revolution happening here, that there are renegades, they create their way to revolution. That, you know, the things that they had built for artistic expression or, you know, for convenience, they're now building the tools of revolution. And so that informed a lot of my decision decisions when I was writing uh, art descriptions. But one of the things that really, really helps was uh, the, the art team really found a way to show the consulate the consulate's presence in Giripur. that there is a transition where the skyline during Kaladesh is is there's a, uh, it's not necessarily a uniform skyline there's a lot of different shapes that make the, that make up the city but as of Ether Revolt suddenly all these red banners are unfurled and a lot of the the uh, building shapes become much more squared. And there's this sense of consulate presence everywhere, which allowed a lot of the, the art descriptions, or allowed me to play with the idea of renegades interacting in that space, where uh, there's this yeah, there's a sense of ominousness that the renegades get to play in now, or not play in, but the art gets to kind of show that that contrast. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, other pieces of art that really kind of show the consulate presence were like Watchful Automaton is one of my favorite pieces, where it's just Automaton with this. Kind of ominous. Uh, almost looking, looks like a like a surveillance lens, and this idea that yeah, the consulate's always watching, mm-hmm. and the renegades have to fight against against that. I think it was frontline rebel was one of the first concepts I wrote, and I was like, yeah, this is this is the rebel like on, you know in the streets on the barricade type thing, and kind of raising their their wrench, their weapon, their their the tool that they would use to build. They're now using again to to revolt. Okay. Um,
0: I liked what you were saying about the Aradara station, which is not actually something I knew about the the garden and and the statues of, of the inventors. Um, when you're creating the world, all the characters, all the locations, um, is there a good amount of stuff that doesn't end up that that is true about the world? It's in the world guide, but doesn't make it onto the cards or in the story for whatever reason.
1: Uh, yeah, it's some, sometimes it's it's heartbreaking, and other times it's a reminder of just. You know, you have to uh, remember what what you're doing this for, and it's it's you know worlds are for their own sake really entertaining and exciting to build, and it's also you, you always have to remember it's for a game, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes it doesn't necessarily show up in in art, but if it informs flavor text or informs infor- a card name, it still adds that level of depth to a world. So while Aradara Station, like th- those details about it, didn't end up in a, in uh, kind of I don't know in in world on the cards. Mm-hmm. you know it shows up in in the art of Kaladesh book. like these are details that do exist for this that are real for this world, even though we didn't necessarily see that particular aspect on cards. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of my one of the things that showed up in story that I you know that I wish we could have seen somewhere was um, the character Rashmi, who's one of the le- the legendary elf from Kaladesh. She has this thing called uh, her inquirium. Mm-hmm. And this is her laboratory where that could actually get up and walk around. So you could see it at different parts of the city. You know, maybe sometimes he goes beyond the city to to do whatever research he's doing, whether it's on ether or whatever. Um, And so that's something that that felt very Kaladesh and something I didn't want to remove from the world building. I'm just like, yeah, that feels right here. Mm -hmm. And if somebody references it, then all the better. And sometimes it just, these things evoke a sense of a place where, um, you know, people who write the creative text, which is the names and flavor, they read this world guide Mm -hmm. and they go through it. And sometimes it's enough to... Get them on the same page of what we're, how we're, how did we approach this world and whether or not that detail makes it in, mm-hmm. that sense will make it in. Yeah, was there anything else from the world guide that uh, you really liked that didn't quite make it in? Um, a lot of it is probably from the work we did on neighborhoods. Um, a lot of that informed names and flavor text, but there were like just little details of that. Like, I know that I know this place <laughs> a little bit better. I'd be a great you know guide for Girapur. Um, there's a place called uh, Narnam House. And Narnam House is this kind of place of legend people don't really know if it exists, but it's this kind of hidden greenhouse area where there are people that cultivate, like, poisonous plants and can have this kind of, you know, uh, if, if, if there are assassins or there are people who need, you know, to find this place, then it will find you kind of thing. Okay. And, uh, yeah, just like little little details like that to kind of make it rich for me. Um, yeah, just yeah, it's Kaladesh itself is just a world that I want to play in. So that was that was a re- pretty rewarding experience. But there are a lot of details that made it into again the the uh, the art book that James Wyatt uh, uh, wrote. Mm-hmm. You you'll see a lot of that that made it into there.
0: Okay, um, who were some of your favorite characters that came out of Kaladesh or Ether Revolt?
1: Uh, I'm not sure this is, uh, this is fair, but I would say Kari Zev, uh, was fortunate enough to be able to write the magic story about Kari Zev Mm -hmm. and her monkey Raghavan, and it was just, it was a character that was very easy for me to write, uh, she was, yeah, it's very high adventure, she's a, she's basically a pirate queen, I mean, what's not to love, uh, but Yeheni ended up just being unbelievable as a character, and I I wish we could see more, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, uh. Yeheni was Yeheni so uh but yeah I, between Kari and Yeheni uh th- those are my favorites but also probably I don't know who she is but whoever the character on Deadeye Harpooner is okay is she's one of my favorites so very cool um so it, you obviously love
0: Kaladesh in that world and, and you're very well steeped in it and and I know we can't talk about future plans, so we're not gonna we're not talking about future plans. Mm-hmm. Anyone listening right now? None of this is planned out. We are we are going to Ari World. He's gonna talk about what he wants and he alone. What what in Ari World do you think is next for Kaladesh?
1: Oh man, I'm not really sure what I could say, but in my own head canon, I think dwarves inherit the earth. <laughs> fair enough all right well thank you ari
0: and uh thank you to the audience for joining us on this week's episode of the magic story podcast we'll be back next week with mark winters who was the art director for ether revolt and uh he's going to talk about his vegetable garden wait nope sorry i misread that he's going to be talking about the art of ether revolt that makes way more sense join us then